Welcome, Pathfinders, to find the Path Podcast actual play of the Hell's Rebels Adventure Path. Where everybody knows about the Rose of Cantargo. <laughs> oh, best friend. I was going to say, he hasn't even talked to you guys yet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hopefully. Everybody is, yeah. is Cesare. <laughs> <laughs> we did have a nice party, though. We did have yeah. a cool party. And yeah, we have yeah. to go investigate a haunted house so a poor, innocent, tiefling to, boy doesn't die. We did yeah. that thing where it was like, it felt like it's kind of narrowing our leads to suddenly, oh, look, more leads. That is mm -hmm. true. Yeah. To confuse the audience, I suppose this would be uh, Hell's Rebels After Party Edition. Uh. <laughs> As you're now after the party. We're adding to Hedeman's for the after party. You sit down with Hedeman, he's like, tell me what happened in the last three episodes. <laughs> and how did that make you feel? <laughs> no, uh, I suppose jumping back into things, when last we left our heroes, the Silver Ravens, after having successfully rescued the armagers of the Order of the Torrent and returned them back to Lictor Octavio Sabinus, they had returned back to the city of Cantargo and had enjoyed a, uh, a brief respite, if you will, at the Tooth and Nell Tavern, wherein uh, your hostess, Citronia, had uh, set you up with some tickets and basically a chance to play a few free games there. You played some uh, devil pins, and uh, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which is kind of fun. Yeah, I was uh, about to say, uh, Victoria did very people. well. I, li I like the uh, very gambling-esque aspect to it. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Little odds and evens. You had the yeah. chance to meet with uh, Lakula Jens, who is the uh, proprietor of the nearby Sweet Tooth. Yeah. Who had made Found all of you cake. Yeah, she seemed pretty interesting. You'd also had a chance to meet with Reich, the tiefling pie maker. Uh, meat yeah, pies, pie maker. specifically. Uh, Amazing using his meat sorcerer pies. powers. Yeah. He can make them taste like anything. Let's start, well, I mean, probably. Well, uh, almost anything. I can only imagine with the prestidigitation, it's kind of the way that, like, there are tons of flavors of ramen. It's like, mm. I guess this tastes like shrimp. Because <laughs> <laughs> it just lets you kind of season Are you telling flavor. me he, he is doing LaCroix meat pies? Yes. Or it has the vaguest oh flavor? Oh, my God, of yes. <laughs> oh, no. Actually, that's a great idea. Why, why don't wizards <laughs> or sorcerers use prestidigitation to make flavored water to give to people? Hmm. They probably do. I bet somebody yeah, does. I mean, it says that you flavor things. I would assume that it's flavored. They're yeah, literally like little Mio squirts. They're just pressed to digitize it. It's yeah. like it tastes vaguely of There's a wizard now. bartender somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was just thinking oh, yeah. I'm really expanding my concept for my gastronomist sorcerer. So <laughs> anyway, following all of that, you had decided to leave as a... You'd been informed, by, after Cesare had arrived with Hedeman Hayes, uh, you'd been informed by Hedeman that he wished to uh, have a conversation with all of you, but would like to do so in private. So I believe you had set out from the Tooth and Nell, especially because mm -hmm. it's beginning to approach curfew time. Yep, yep. Uh, To make your way through the city streets back to Hedeman's. I'll be honest, the Devil's Thread is a good name for a business, but Hedeman's also sounds like a good name for a business. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> the six of you, counting Hedeman. Seven, with Raven. Step out from the Tooth and Nell, out into the city streets. The sun has set by this point. A low fog has rolled in, climbing no higher than about mid-calf on each of you, and snaking its way through the city streets, dispersed by the orange glow of the various street lamps. As you step down from here, you step out onto Salt Street, and Hedeman leads the way. Cesare, on his arm, heading down Aww, Salt Street. We're adorable. Distantly, you hear the bells of the Temple of Abadar, ringing out the hour of eight o'clock. All of you are aware that that means that you have about one hour until the 9 p.m. curfew. Mm. Not quite as distantly, up on the hill, 
you hear the Temple of Asmodeus ring out of time with the Temple of Abadar. Hmm. Although, since you don't believe it's 13 o'clock, uh, <laughs> you think that the bells are just ringing. Ah, the bells. They're, they're just like, let's confuse people. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> well, they ring on their own randomly. Oh, that's right. I forgot that. Yeah. They, oh, that's they're right. They do cool. ring at random. It's a mystery. We got to solve that at some point, right? Like, I feel like that's that's a, that's a thread for sure. <laughs> mm. Well, we're not investigating this murder. Can we break into the Temple of Asmodeus to figure, try to figure this out? <laughs> I'm just saying, that feels like a, a nice book five type move. Not to deal with the Asmodeans, just to deal with no, these we, bells. No, we totally just ignore the Asmodeans. We don't care about them. Important. We'll poison the high priest while we're at it, but also we're here for the bells. Sure. I mean, yeah, I got it on me, but... I mean, technically we don't have to break in. It's a temple. We can just walk in. It's where we no. need to go. That's probably restricted. I insist <laughs> we break in. <laughs> the, the doors are open. We go. We lockpick them closed so we can <laughs> kick them open. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you turn onto Salt Street. Try to act nonchalant as you walk past the holding house. Continue on your way as you uh, pass by the House of Truth and Wisdom and Vespin's Artisans. Although in both of those cases, uh, as far as the House of Truth and Wisdom and Vespin's Artisans, they are already closed. Mm. You continue to follow Salt Street all the way down as it makes its way, not in a straight shot, because it's kind of a windy road, but you don't need to take any other roads as it delivers you at the intersection of Salt Street and Red Street, which is where the Devil's Threads is. I mean, it's about one mile, so it's a walk of about 20 minutes. Mm. By the time that you've arrived, you passed numerous groups making their way to and fro along the city streets. People making their way with haste to get home before the curfew begins. Every once in a while, you pass by a small patrol of Datari, hurrying people along, or some of them waiting like a police officer sitting at the end of a school zone, mm. just watching you. They're wanting to make sure we're not speed walking. <clears throat> yep. By the time that you arrive at the Devil's Threads, due to the mist, you're basically soaked from the bottom of your pant leg all the way up to your knee from the mist. Mm. And you take the last couple of steps to ascend up towards the, uh, the Devil's Threads, a fine structure, the large glass windows displaying some of Hedeman's best works. The oil lamps, they are still burning to allow everyone to see them quite well as they make their way by. Although you imagine he probably extinguishes those once curfew's over to conserve oil. Yeah. The guards don't have the coin to buy those kind of clothing. During the entire walk, uh, Hedeman carries on polite conversation with all of you. Just general, mm. how's the business going, Adria? It's going. Talking with Vittoria about whether or not they finally decided to upgrade that, that dour drab school uniform that they force you to wear. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, man. Yes. I kind of want him to redesign the uniforms. <laughs> Ascending up the steps, he unlocks the door, opens it, and allows all of you entrance. He quickly makes his way over and stokes the fire as he sets all of you down in the back room, which is a well-appointed sitting room. It's also the, uh, you know, the changing slash waiting room thing, so that anytime brides come in here, they can be behind the curtain and all of their friends can hang out there and they can come out and judge the ah. dresses. That whole thing. <laughs> Very mm -hmm. nice. I'm assuming I've never been in that situation, obviously, but I've seen movies. <laughs> you just got to watch uh, like two episodes of Say Yes to the Dress, and I imagine there's pretty much a you know, bunch like that where it's just like racks and racks and racks of dresses. Mm. Although he probably does custom, actually. He does everything custom. Yeah. More probably fabrics on the wall. Like yeah, you the there you go. So he's fabrics. got the fabric wall like yeah. uh, at like uh, Joanne's or whatever. Mm. Yeah. Hedman settles all of you in to various comfortable seats around a large oak coffee table. This long, ovular coffee table comes back a minute later with some basic refreshments. Hmm. 
as far as he is concerned, basic refreshments. Charcuterie board, various breads and cheeses for all of you. Pours wine for everyone real quick. Oh, my gosh. All right. All right. I mean, I'll certainly have a second dinner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He settles down in his high back chair closest to the fireplace. Raven hops up onto the uh, the footrest for the chair, curls up next Aww. to the fireplace. Aww. I imagine, you know, Nicolo and Lucia bumping elbows in the, the little love seat, like right next to the, uh, <laughs> the table. Like Nicolo's like three quarters and like the last quarter is Lucia. <laughs> Sorry. Is Nicolo just, very I... awkward with this like silver rimmed china plate full of cheese going... <laughs> <laughs> pretty good yeah <laughs> I feel like God. how expensive is this plate I just uh, in case I break it I'd want to know <laughs> maybe don't pick the plate up I well but how else do I eat the goodies it, yeah. your hands yeah. Chester but is it's all the way over there with his wine <laughs> <laughs> a napkin May I have a napkin? I feel like Lucia like tries to like <laughs> subtly like show him how to like <laughs> manipulate. Come on, Lucia, training this kind of thing is your job. Now. I know. <laughs> she's just like she's just like whispering over to him. It's like no, no. You st- you stack the meat and the cheese on the cracker and then you eat it. Use a little two pronged <laughs> fork thing. But that yeah, takes that, forever. That, I'd rather just grab a handful and stuff it in my mouth. No, no, no. Then then you're gonna make a mess and you're gonna look all awkward. You gotta be like so? a fine gentleman. <laughs> You gotta your think about like being. it needs to be about like one third of what you could actually fit in your mouth, mm. and that's like a big bite. That sounds restrictive. It's about the experience more than about the quantity of food that you eat. Mm. Although I do think uh, Hedeman did bring us here for a reason. Oh, sorry. I did. Hedeman takes a sip of his wine, sets it down on a table, crosses uh, one foot over the uh, the other, steeples his fingers. I am the Rose of Cantargo. <laughs> Like the person leaving messages at my apartment, Rose of Cantargo? Oh, yes, I, I did that. Chesare raises an eyebrow. Oh, well, that solves that mystery. Also, I would never have called that. Is this the first time yeah, you hear this? She says, glancing over to Chesare. No. He heard it earlier today. Okay. So why are you telling us? Ah, there's the question. I have been observing the Silver Raven's activities, and I will admit I'm quite impressed. We are not subtle enough if he's noticing everything we've been up to. You are subtle. However, your circles and my circles run in the same circles. Ah, mm. yeah. Hmm, okay. Much like a bicycle. Let's simply uh, say that uh, every once in a while your ravens land in my rose bushes. <laughs> <laughs> we have one raven in your rose bushes, and I like Wink at Cesare. She's oh very sighs. Oh Why is she so thirsty? Wow. Why? It was a dirty sounding thing, and I had to accentuate that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that said, while we appreciate the support, I feel like you wanted to do more than just reveal who you were to us. Yes. When I first became aware of your organization, I did send a missive uh, in my own sort of dramatic way. To Nicola. I have to say, it was a bit of a mystery. I simply wanted to, to aid you as I could. Encourage you to take your time to not rush matters. Mm-hmm. And you have. So I've come to you with a, an overture, if you will. Mm. You have proven your skills and capabilities. And I have become interested in, shall we say, combining our forces. Y- you have forces? Yes. Sounds good to me. The Rose of Kentargo. 
Hmm. Yeah, I thought the Rosigan Tago was a person. It's both. Oh. I knew we didn't find any bodies. That's yes. true. Fortunately, when the fire broke out at the Thrashing Badger, I had already prepared a water-breathing spell for that day. We were able to dive beneath the waves and swim to safety. Wait, you can cast spells? Yes, actually, I am a priest of Milani, so that is well within my purview, as well as sewing, which I am exceptional at. Yes, obviously. He gestures to himself. Lucia just, like, looks shocked with, like, that, like, gears are turning, trying to make this all fit. The important (laughs) thing is, is I believe that the Silver Ravens are on the right track. And I believe that your resources and my resources combined could accomplish both of our goals. Your goal being specifically what? Mm. The freedom of Kentargo, for starters. Milani is the Everbloom. She is the goddess of those who fight against oppression and the unjust. You have proven yourselves. And in fact, I think perhaps some of you, more than others, may be quite in line with my own cause. I certainly have no objection to working with you. Nor I. I did not think that you would. I wish to see Kentargo free. Mm. In fact, I've been here working on this for years because Kentargo has never been free in my lifetime. Mm. The situation has escalated substantially with the arrival of Throne. It tends to when they arrive. But he is just a physical manifestation of a rot that has been growing in Kentargo for years. Mm-hmm. Whether or not there was a throne sitting on the throne of the Lord Mayor didn't matter. They were still in charge here. My goal has been since the very beginning to free Kentargo entirely. Hey, why stop at Kentargo? I would love to move on further, but you should have steps. Mm, true. Don't worry about the jacket until you're done with the pants. You understand. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. So, as such, I figured that we would start with a, let us simply say, a mutual mission. All right. Well, I already sort of told him we would help. And now that I know that you are a, the phrase seems awkward, legitimate rebellion. (laughs) I like it. Then Milani's faith demands that I support you. Hmm. But I do not believe that my worshippers should work directly with the ravens. Hmm. I can see a certain degree of safety keeping our forces related but separate. Yes. I do not want one fell swoop to destroy the entirety of our efforts. Mm. Much as to my limited understanding of the Silver Ravens' histories they have once before. Yeah. However, I would be happy to work with you moving forward. And my people can keep the government distracted from your Silver Ravens. And when the time is nigh, we can emerge from our hideouts throughout the city together and aid one another. I like it. So what exactly is this mission that you are talking about right now? The one that Cesare already agreed to. I assume, with again, my understanding of your organization, and to be perfectly honest, I think if I've gotten an accurate read on each of you individually, I can assume that you are already investigating the murders in Old Kentarka. Oh, yeah. You are correct. So is some other detective lady. Yes, I understand that the Thrones have pulled in someone from... uh, West Crown, I believe. But not somebody probably allied with uh, our way of operating. I doubt it. My limited knowledge amongst my contacts is, is that she is investigating this when she is able, mm-hmm. but not constantly. As her primary mm-hmm. goal is to find the Silver Ravens. Yeah. Hmm. She's an interesting individual. I enjoyed speaking with her, actually. Unfortunately, 
He takes another sip of his wine glass, sets it down, leans forward. There has been another murder in Old Kentarko. Oh, God. Mm. I hadn't heard about another one. Few probably have, since I've intercepted it before anyone else. Oh. A woman named Merletta of White Rock. Hmm. She is the reason that I'm coming to you now. She's one of yours. Yes, she was one of my roses. She missed an appointment with me last night. I sent some of my other roses out to investigate. And early this morning, they discovered Merletta's body in a, let us simply say, dreadful state. Hmm. I, of course, don't trust the city officials to do anything more than they've done up until this point, which is functionally nothing. Hmm. True. And as such, I had her remains brought here. You, you, you took her away from the crime scene? It was that or the Datari discovered her. Did you at least do a thorough sweep of the area? Again, I am a skilled tailor and a rather powerful priest, if I must say. I, however, am not an investigator. I did what I could to not disturb the scene, and if you wish to investigate, you may. However, this was the fastest that I could get in contact with all of you. You appear to have been busy today. Ah. S- I somewhat. mean, you know, we were doing... Like you do. We had some we jobs, We were doing yes. activities. And as such, I do not know the condition of the scene. Hmm. Muleta, however, is here. Is she, I'm assuming, on ice? I have uh, made certain that her repose is quite gentle, if you will. <laughs> Good. (laughs) I assumed that we could uh, work together on this so that you could help me avenge my fallen companion and that together we can make old Cantargo a much safer place. Let's do it. Do you have a location where she was found? Like where it was in old Cantargo, right? Yes. In a place that the locals refer to as Rat King Plaza. Gross. Rat King Plaza. It's a crossroads, if you will, where five streets run together. Ah, so it makes a Rat King because it's all twisty. Mm. Mm. Wonderful. She was out after curfew. Naturally. Mm. And as such, from what I could gather, there were no witnesses. Although, again, since uh, I was not working in an official capacity, and also I am rather noticeable, I did not press for questions while there. I secured her, and then as quickly as possible, have now secured your involvement. So they're working after curfew. Would make it a lot easier to find them, because not that many people are out after curfew. Mm-hmm. Well, and it means this, uh, well, let's just say predator, for lack of a better term, is looking for people that are out past curfew, too. Mm. That's their chosen time to strike. Well, mm-hmm. of course, because there's far less people on the streets. Yeah. Or they're like purposefully brought in oh this is about to be real conspiracy theory level I'm gonna say it anyway uh someone Thrun has purposefully engaged this person to come kill people after curfew to keep people from breaking curfew by building this like mm. legend scary darkness guy who kills people Hired after an curfew assassin? I mean in little... that case though wouldn't you publicize it wouldn't it be in all of the newspapers and the town criers and everything and it could be as simple as someone is taking advantage of the fact mm. that there mm. are less witnesses on the street after curfew I mean that's mm. fair well we can find out more by taking a look at the scene and um, Victoria I mean you can of course direct us as needed um, I'm happy to help I mean we should probably yes. start with uh, Merletta's body mm. That is where I assume that we should begin. Miss Vittoria here would be 
probably the best bet for being able to determine any information from the mortal remains. And then mm. afterwards, if you would like, and I think it would probably be of great benefit, Merletta may be able to tell us more herself. I am capable of speaking with the dead. That's huh. rare. Wow. Shall we make our way? Nicola shrugs. I mean, I'm sadly getting used to grim scenes, so. Well, somewhat I depressing. Would prepare yourself again. Cesare stands up and grabs Raven before we head down. Raven shoots out a paw, grabs one last piece of cheese. I am going to finish my wine. I feel like all of us are going to need a little uh, fortification for what is sure to be a very messy scene. I mean, mm. Victoria literally well, goes to class. Victoria for this. is like, yeah, <laughs> Victoria could just bring her wine and sip it while she dissects. Yeah, she's, she's, probably, she's probably like sitting there with like a little bit of cheese and a wine. Like, yeah, it's fine. Hedeman stands up, leads you through the back. Uh, takes you down a set of stairs from the kitchen down into the cellar. Lights a lantern for all of your benefit, as much like Niccolo, even as he was navigating the darkened kitchen, you could see the, the gleam of his eyes as he could navigate through the dark. Lifts the lantern high and leads you down a well-tended set of stone steps into a exceptionally well-kept basement. This room seems to be one part additional storage for bolts of cloth off towards the left-hand side. One part pantry, judging by the number of dried goods along the right-hand side, and one part wine cellar, judging by the large rack of wines across the back wall. Good place you gotta for entertain it. your guests when they're all like nobility and the like. Certainly. In the center yeah. of the room is a table. It's like a butler. A white cloth has been laid atop the table and then it looks like a second white cloth has been laid atop the body. Mm -hmm. There's no smell of decay, but there is this thick, coppery smell of blood. And here and there on the white cloth that covers this form, giving the outline but not the details of the body beneath, you can see lines of red hmm. where the cloth has settled atop the body. Hedeman reaches beneath his shirt and produces a small diamond-shaped amulet that looks almost akin to stained glass and bears a symbol of a rose growing out of broken cobblestones done in a very artistic manner. Cool. He places the lantern down, lights a second lantern to provide additional light, and folds his hands as he stands off towards the side. I have an incense burner if you'd like, although the body should be well-preserved. Mm -hmm. Us. Oh, Sadly, uh, the smell, you tend to get used to it. I didn't know if there was perhaps a clue that you might derive from such, as such I have not been burning anything down here. If any of the rest of you would like, he produces some handkerchiefs. I'll take one. Uh, Lucia will pass, I think. I was gonna say, Vittoria probably reaches into her bag and pulls out, like, a nice thin set of leather gloves. I was about to say, when it comes to medicine, I think, I mean, it's going to be Victoria and maybe like Adria trying to aid or something. But yeah, I probably. tend to be the helper. Yeah. I guess Victoria starts doing a rudimentary examination. Like, I don't think I'm doing full autopsy here, but at least. Uh, well, start with looking, yeah. I think. I mean, yeah. start with the wound. Yeah, you start with the wounds and try to see what attacked her. Adria will do a sniff, I guess, and see if there's anything weird about that. I mean, I guess, can I do, like, just a, a general perception check to, like, see if I can identify, like, I mean, I've, I've been training with weapons, so, like, maybe I know what kind of weapon would do that kind of damage. To determine the type of weapon would be a medicine check. Ah, okay, well, then never mind. I am useless. 
<laughs> I mean, I mean Cesare will just do a general perception check just to see if anything jumps out. But other than that, I'm not going to be Is there anything on the body yeah. that's interesting looking, like a piece of dirt or a rock? I don't know. I guess okay. if possible, I would like to use society to see if I know anything about her besides, you know, that she was murdered. Very well. So sounds like Adria is uh, making a perception check. Uh, Vittoria, I believe you're making a medicine check. Yes. Very well. And Lucia is making a perception check as well. Yep. Cesare, I believe you're also wanting to make a perception check. Yep. And then Nicolo, you want to make a society. So all mm -hmm. of those will be secret. So go ahead and bounce those for me. Vittoria, Adria, I imagine both of you take one edge of the white cloth covering the body and steadily pull it back, folding it gently. Hedeman steps forward to uh, take it. Despite his general appearance, he takes this bloody cloth without even the slightest hesitation. The sign of probably an experienced uh, healer in his case, and sets this off to the side. The body is a wreck. Gouges, cuts, slices cover the entirety of her body. Her face is left surprisingly uninjured, although blood splatter from stabs along her neck and chest have sprayed up, covering it in speckles of red. The woman looks to be human, maybe in her mid-twenties, with wheat blonde hair, which is still tied up in a loose bun, and wearing a simple white dress with a blue vest. She appears to be missing one shoe. Hmm. Taking a second to look her over. Uh, Lucia looks like she's, like, tallying something up on her, like, left hand. Good grief. If I'm counting this right, there's, like, I don't know, like, 37 separate wounds. Oh, my gods. That takes Ugh. a lot of stamina. Or multiple assailants. Mm. It had to have been done with a light-plated weapon. Probably with a forward curve. Maybe a kukri. Huh. Jeez. It's an uncommon weapon. Hmm. Distinctive. But you're saying you think this might be one person who did all this? Difficult to say. All the wounds seem to be consistent with a single weapon, but it hmm. could have been multiple people all using the same type of weapon. Yeah. I will also uh. allow a uh, society check or lore cantargo, as well as uh, all of those of you who made perception checks may also make an arcana roll. Well, and how many of these wounds were made before she passed and how many were made after? It's a very good question, whether or not it's sadistic or for a purpose. It could have been just a attack, and it all happened at once, and in the end, the result is Cesare just gestures. But 37 is a lot. To keep going after somebody's died is overkill. Very much so. I don't Maybe. think we're talking about someone who's exactly calm. Or but they haven't gotten caught. Yeah, or it's maybe like something personal. Mm. You know, somebody who just kind of lost control and just kept going? I doubt it. With how many murders there have been so far and how calculated they've been, I don't think these are crimes of passion by any means. Hmm. So somebody really wanted to make sure she was dead. With the amount of blood, the weapon was most likely magical. Normal wounds don't bleed like this. Mm. Like magic to make them bleed more? Most likely. Probably a single assailant if it's a magical weapon, because those aren't exactly common. Like, not the average person has one. Well, mm -hmm. how many magical kukris are running around Contargo right now? I do have a theory. <laughs> I think we're dealing with a copycat. Copycat? The only K 
case I know, where a kukri was used as a weapon of choice, was the Temple Hill Slasher. Mm. Oh. What if it was a ghost touch kukri and the Temple Hill Slasher's ghost is actually back? You're trying to tie in the, uh, the, the ghost... I'm not sure we should be jumping to such wild conclusions until we have some more information. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to know. It sounds sensationalist, but really it's impossible to determine right now. If we knew more about some of the other victims, we could see if this was a pattern of some sort. You're forgetting that we're going to hear her account of her attack. Oh, yeah, good point. If she saw anything, if this wasn't something that caught her off guard in the dock. All right, well... Is there anything else we can think of to try? Besides, you know, Hedeman's magic. I mean, unless there's any um, particulates, like is there anything in the moon pattern patterns? Like are there anything under noticed. her nails? Stuff like that. Mm. Yeah, uh, I mean, but other than going all full-on autopsy where I do a Y incision, I don't think. Uh, is there <laughs> any, like, any pattern? Like does this seem like it could be like a religious pattern or does this just look like just random slashes? Uh, no, from what you can tell, there doesn't seem to be any rhyme or reason. It looks like okay. pure fury. Although, again, without an autopsy, it would be difficult to determine exactly, you know, which one of these stabs was the cause of death. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I almost wonder... Well, I'll save that for after talking to her. <laughs> okay, talk to her first, then autopsy. Check. I don't know, since we're going to talk to her, if we really need to do that. Yeah. We'll see what we find out from hearing from her. Because just because you were there doesn't mean you saw anything helpful. That's, that's true. Just yeah. Especially because it's at night. Well, well, we'll find out. Yep. I mean, is finding the exact wound that killed her really going to help in the investigation? It's just this is one of Hedeman's worshippers at his temple. Are we really going to do a Y incision and rip out her guts in front of him? Well, if it's the first stab killed her that is a level of precision we don't we're not gonna i am uncomfortable with performing a full autopsy on this on this woman in front of hedeman who knew her in life i'm just ask him to leave i just don't think i I don't think it will tell us anything that's the other thing. yeah i don't think it will either well be surprised what you can find well yeah i think the difference is we can talk to the victim and say like well, we're Basically talking to her first. Well, that's what we were saying. That's yeah. why Victoria's saying let's talk to her first so that yeah. if we don't need to do the autopsy, then we don't need to. But okay. if it doesn't give us enough information, then we can after she's already moved on. Hmm. All right. Well, then let's, uh, I guess, do that and see what she saw. Are you done with your examination? For now. I don't want to make any unnecessary uh, additional cuts, I suppose, is the kindest way to say it, if I don't need to. I see. He steps forward, collects two incense burners, places these on either side of her head, lights both of these burners. The room begins to fill with this heady smell that reminds you of the smell of roses. Uh, This will take a moment. And by that, I mean a couple of minutes. Mm. After it's done, it will last for a few minutes as well. Unfortunately, you'll only be able to ask three questions. So... Oh, I'll leave okay. you to consider what questions you want to ask. Uh, return in 10 minutes. I'd prefer yes. if you discussing to uh, to do so where I'm not chanting. Uh, so I guess we'll go step out uh, from the, what did you say, butler pantry, Jess? It's <laughs> so essentially a butler this? pantry. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You turn, make your way. Behind you, you can hear Hedeman beginning the prayers to Milani. Uh, again, it is 10 full minutes of him doing this. Okay, so three questions. Mm. So, so 
I I I'm, I don't know how this works. Like, do we? Do, do any of you know? Like, is she just gonna talk to us like normal? I don't think any of us really have experience with. At least I don't. Usually, I let a dead body tell me a story. Yep. Anyone that wishes to may make me a divine or a cult check to recall knowledge about this spell. Nope. Uh, it isn't common. D- divine? You mean religion? Yes, religion or occult, okay. since it is a divine occult spell. Oh, maybe I do know I something know about it. I know nothing about either <laughs> of these. So you reach the top of the stairs, have a second to carry on that conversation. Basically, he's going to make a connection with the physical body's memories, for lack of a better term. Her spirit isn't actually returning to the body, and we'll be able to ask, ask three questions. And yes, if the answers will come forth from her mouth, they must have a throat and a mouth left to speak at all. Very well. I mean, she's mostly intact. If she was missing limbs or organs, the answers could be less accurate. But yes, she does have a multiple of multitude of stab wounds. But all in all, she's in she's intact. Is she able to? I mean. Are the answers restricted in any way? Does she have to... Um... Just what she would have known, what she would okay. have seen. So she can explain her answers, assuming... So we, we, we want to try to ask general questions that she can give us as much information as possible, right? Yes, because if she asks the question and answers it, and we have another question about their answer, that's two questions. Hmm. So, I mean, the most... I mean, perhaps the most obvious question, who attacked you? Mm-hmm. Well, if they well, don't know, then the answer wh- would just be, I don't know. I wonder if well, we could be more specific. What do you know about who attacked you? What, yes, what if we start with, describe how you were attacked and killed? That's not a question. Can you describe? But that might be yes and no. <laughs> that is yes or no. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like, yes. Oh. <laughs> I will give it to uh, Cesare that he is also aware that the corpse does get a will save Hmm. to resist this. The will save just determines whether or not the individual can lie. Hmm. Um, So you get your question regardless of whether or not they save. That being said, the body tends to have some of its previous memories, including memories of the individual. So if she was allied with Hedeman, she would be inclined to answer questions that Hedeman asked, as opposed Hmm. to if this was like a priest of Asmodeus that you attempted this on. Yeah. Right. Uh, so do we maybe want to start with, like, how did you die? No. We know how she died. Well, I mean, to describe the, the scene? I don't know. I think, you know, what do you remember about your attacker? That would be mm. good, because uh, what she remembers could be very detailed, or it could just be a situational thing. Both could provide decent information. Yeah. After that... What did you learn? Was she learning something? What were the circumstances of the attack? Like, Mm. I don't know. I'm trying to get at, like, how did they approach? Or when did she notice that they were starting to come for her? Or things like that. Would both of those not fall under what do you remember about your attack? Well, the attacker. The the attack versus the attacker. I guess we could ask the same question twice and just change attack to attacker. Mm. Maybe we reserve the third for a follow-up. I think that would be wise. I can't think of anything in particular else unless somebody else can. Not really. I think having one in reserve is probably a smart decision. Yeah, because Hadaman mm. knows where she was found. Mm. Though if she was moved, that would be interesting, but I doubt it. I mean, there's no way to know until we actually go to the scene. 
if she was moved, she wouldn't remember it because it would have happened after she was dead. Well, yeah, but we would ask where were you attacked and then compare that to where she was found and see if it was the same. But that's, I guess, if we can't think of anything else. But I'm sure there will be a follow-up. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if we're ready, then I suppose we'll go back down when uh, we get the go-ahead. Mm-hmm. After 10 minutes passes, you hear footsteps on the stairs. Hedman steps out to the top of the landing, holding a timer, which is slowly draining. Oh, hustle. She's ready when you are. Let's go. Mm-hmm. We let Victoria be the questioner. All right. Descending down the stairs, you reach the bottom and find that Mirletta lays where she had previously. The body, strangely, takes in slow, rasping breaths. Okay, that's weird. As you enter the room, her head turns slightly and her eyes look in your direction. Ah. Uh, hmm. It's not particularly a pleasant spell. This is a new experience. Um, I would ask your questions, and just to be clear, any questions that are asked in this chamber, she may interpret as a question for her. Mm. Ah. Understood. I'll get straight to it then. I don't suppose I... Never mind. Uh, Meletta, what do you remember about your attack? The body turns over, looks towards you, Oh, oh they can! Oh, they oh. can like fully move. Ah, that's a bit disturbing. Oh, that's <laughs> creepy. That's way creepier than the spell was in first edition. It was night, dark, after curfew. I was walking home. I felt odd, afraid, like I was being followed. There was an intersection. There were lights there. Five street lights. Mm. Three were out. I moved faster. I heard something behind me. Footsteps, but odd. No cadence, no rhythm, no music, no. The body shudders for a second as if getting trapped in a separate memory before shaking itself. There was a squeak, like a rusty hinge on a door. Mm. I started to turn, turn left. There was a hand on my shoulder and pain. Pain in my legs. They wouldn't move. I fell. There was another, and then another. I rolled. There was a person. There was a knife. There was blood. They were over me. So much blood. It made a terrible mess. The body stops talking. What more can you remember about your attacker? I think it was a man. He wore a hood. The alley was dark. I don't think he could see me. Not well. I struggled, and he cut and cut. He cried out once. He was holding me with one hand and cutting with the other. I think he cut himself. So much blood. He wore an apron. The head cocks curiously to look up towards the ceiling, as if as if conscious of the blood. And under that, something dark. Not cloth. Not clothes. Armor, maybe? And pockets. So many pockets. There was a smell. Like rancid milk and urine. Oh no. He stopped once. He looked up. Bells? There were bells. Three bells. Everything got hazy. He pulled my hair. He cut my hair. Mm-hmm. He said something. I had lost so much blood. I didn't understand what he said. 
but his voice, his accent. I knew a Phoenician girl that spoke like that once. She was a pretty strawberry blonde. It's funny what you remember. You have one question remaining. Okay, so Phoenician. The gate was weird. Mm. Well, we know she was at the the intersection. There were lights out. Just wondering what else we could ask information. Remember that she said the footsteps. Yeah, the the gate were didn't weird. have an even cadence. I almost wonder what it sounded like. That maybe well, she narrow. said that there was no rhythm. No, it's just like it almost makes it sound like staggering, almost. Yeah, I don't know. Like someone un- unable to completely control where they're walking or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, also mentioned about cry, like that he cried out, like he had stabbed himself, like he had cut yeah. himself. Hmm. I mean, he's definitely corporeal. Yeah, so corporeal for sure. One other interesting aspect was the three bells. Um, do we know? Yeah, the, Ab- the Temple of Abadar rings the time. I feel like the bells are like the time or the devil's Yeah, the bells. Temple of Abadar keeps the time. It's well, the Temple yeah, of Asmodeus. But we don't know which She said it wasn't bells. long. I mean, she said it was after curfew, but do we know how long after curfew? Because it could be the bells of the Asmodean Temple. Where is this Rat King spot at? Uh, you may make a lore cantargo or a society check. Can is there any role we can roll on that smell of curdled milk and urine? Is that like a processing smell of something specific? It, well, it made me is think it... when he described the apron like it's a butcher. Anyone that wishes to make make me a craft check. Like candle making almost? The smell and the odd gate and the fact that she said her legs couldn't move after he touched her, it makes me think it's a gas. Yeah, like his paralysis. He paralyzed her, and the gross smell, and, you know... Well, she specifically said her legs didn't work, not her body didn't work. That could just be the way she's describing it. She got. Yeah. She, she said she yeah. was trying to run, and she couldn't, and she fell. I mean, he also could have sliced her Achilles or something. I was going to say, yeah. well, it could also, like, spinal injuries could also cause an inability to use your legs. Well, she didn't like feel the stabbing until after she fell. She literally said, he, I, he reached my, he touched my hand, you know, shoulder. I tried to move my legs. There was pain and my legs wouldn't work. And then I fell and then he started atta- stabbing her. Yeah, pain in her le- hand on the shoulder and then pain in the legs. And that's when she fell. Yeah. And then she said after she fell is when he started stabbing her. Uh, what is your final question? I don't know. <laughs> well, didn't she say that he said something? She yeah, and it was in a Varician accent. Yeah, but she couldn't understand what he said. Oh, she couldn't understand what he said. I was going to say, yeah. ask what he, what he said. Um, I mean, yeah. the most we could ask is maybe, did do you remember any of the words that she said? But then that would be a yes or no, so. Yeah. Well, what words did you recall him saying, if any? Mm-hmm. I mean, we could ask that. That might give us something. Yeah. Is everyone down yeah. for that? Yeah. Okay, yeah. All right. Maletta, what words do you recall him saying, if at all? It wasn't normal words he wasn't speaking to me the body's eyes squint as she stares up towards the ceiling he was sitting on my knees where he had been when he was killing me the bells distracted him he looked up it was like prayer I remember there was a funny word I don't remember it but I remember thinking it was a funny word. And then there was another. But I remember he did say father. Mm. 
Perhaps there was more. Perhaps the body shudders and then slumps down to the table. Hedeman sets the hourglass down. Well, 10 minute glass. Cesare is going to do a recall knowledge religion to see if 3 a.m. holds any significance for any of the religions that are prominent in Cantargo. Well, not just any religion, basically. Is 3 a.m. significant to any religion that Cesare knows of? And do we remember the devil or the devil's bells, the weird bells happening at all last night? They probably happen all often on all the time. We probably wouldn't yeah. see it significant. Depending on when it was, I may not even have been up, so Well yeah. yeah, from what I remember, the way the bells will the Temple of Asmodeus bells will sometimes be silent for days and then they'll ring randomly. Well yeah, so that's it's just why one I was of those. like if they ring, did anybody do we remember ring, them ringing? <laughs> did the Temple Hill Slasher have a kid? Does not say in my notes. <laughs> the Temple Hill Slasher was a gnome, wasn't he? No. Uh, no, the gnome no. owned the the gnome mm, owned the, the phantasmagorium. The phantasmagorium. Yeah, he was a human man from uh, Uslov, which could have the Varishian accent because yeah. Varishia is yeah. Three a.m. to four a.m. is the witching hour. It's mostly a superstition that demons, witches, it's the most powerful time to do spell work, summonings. It's when those kinds of creatures are at their most powerful. But the thing is, most of the most of the common folk are going to think that that it's midnight. So if it was being distracted because of the three a.m., he could possibly have some knowledge of the occult. Okay, so why do we know? We know that he's a guy, probably, that has a Varician accent. Mm. So either he works with clockwork. Has a kukri that's magical. He works with clockwork. clockwork. The smell, it's um. Likely from Slurk Grease. It's used slurk in construction grease. and maintenance of clockworks. That sounds huh. disgusting. Just and the he sound was distracted by the time, by the bells. What if he lives in the bell tower? What if he lives near there? Well, there's something also weird is that uh, his. Uh, she described his gait as not rhythmic. I want like to float normal- a crazy idea as Jessica. This is a Frankenstein's monster situation. He only comes alive during like this certain period of time and they keep him in the bell tower. Okay, idea floated. Um, <laughs> Real quick, actually, give me a religion check. Give me a society check. Anyone that wishes to may also, if you have it, uh, Lore Cantargo will also work. I will do Lore Cantargo because that is one of my highest. And actually go ahead and give me a craft check while you're at it. Uh, that's also roll roll your best. How's that? Roll oh, everything. Okay. If he lives, if he lives in a clock tower or the bell tower, it's going to be the one at the Temple of Asmodea or a Temple of Abadar, Abadar because the Asmodeans don't maintain the Hell's Bells because they just do whatever the hell they want. Yeah, but that means somebody could live up there without them knowing potentially. Yeah, they may not know anything's well, in there. Maybe. Little do we know, it's supposed to be randomly. It re- not only randomly rings; it's maintained by this man who moved in and has got you know squatters' rights on it. I really think guy? the Asmodeans <laughs> would know if somebody was living in their bell tower. Just I also saying. think it's the Temple of Abadar, too. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. They may just not pay attention. It's the Temple of Asmodeus. They got other stuff going on. They have undead that patrol their halls. There's you don't not think the Temple somebody... of Abadar would know somebody's up there either? I also feel like Abadar <laughs> would know somebody was up there because they probably no, do no, no. maintain what the clock tower. What if he legitimately, works, he legitimately yeah. works on the clock tower? That's what like, I'm that's saying. Yeah, he works there. Uh-huh. Last time we thought there was a serial killer, it was tooth fairies, okay? <laughs> yeah, I know. That's why, like, Victoria's holding off on any, like, crazy ideas, because they might be true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there is that. So, secret checks. Mm. All right, that leather armor that she described with all the pockets, I've seen, I, 
I have an apron like that. Uh, that's it was Adria. <laughs> Are you confessing to the crime? No. no, artisans wear those. You keep all your different doodads and your tools and whatnot in them, and it makes it much easier to uh, complete your work. You know, he might be part of the guild. So he's not a he's not a butcher. He, he probably is butcher. actually clockwork uh, maintainer. Then those pockets are real hard to clean, which means There's... those pockets are real hard to clean. So it occurs to me because I've set up several people with jobs there. That Vespin Artisans is actually the largest manufacturer of clockworks in the city. Ah. And it's actually located rather close to um, where this attack happened. That feels like a lead. I'm not sure if this information is relevant, but there is an aspect of the god Norgaba known as Father Skinsaw. Oh, God. There, faithful, yeah, there it is. Um, you know, they believe that every murder is a prayer and believe that committing brutal killings and murders in the name of their god advances their god's secret plans. Ah. So, cool. if we put this all together, we're looking at probably some form of artisan working most likely at Vespums mm-hmm. who moonlights as a serial murderer for the dark god Norgaber. Who also has a Valerian accent. Mm. Yep. Mm. And has been getting away with it for a while. Mm. Hmm. Well, we have a lead. Hmm. Well, I guess I know where we're going tomorrow. Heatherman, do you have any divinations that we could use to perhaps locate the lock of hair that this killer stole from her? This feels like a trophy. Mm. Mm. Uh, divinations, you say? I mean, I am capable of auguring the future, but that tends to be exceptionally vague. Mm. Beyond that, not that it would really help me track down an individual. This isn't exactly the skill set that I commonly use. I do have a spell that helps uh, find the safest route to a location, but I would need to know the location that I was finding that safe route to, and that doesn't necessarily provide any additional information as well. Mm. Mm -hmm. No, I understand. Just divination isn't exactly my forte any longer. We have a lead, and that's better than nothing. Mm-hmm. And we're it's going to have to be cautious. Uh, Vespasio is the owner there, and um, he tends to be pretty protective of those who work under him. That said, if we can provide some form of evidence that somebody working there is a murderer, he probably will cast that person out of his own volition. Well, I mean, mm. anybody should do that. Mm, but... That's the thing, is that we do have to be cautious in how we approach this. We could go undercover. You could be getting somebody else a job. I mean, it wouldn't be the first time. That or I could try to pose as a buyer. Mm. I mean, regardless, uh, however we approach this, we just don't want to come up to him and say, hey, this guy's a killer. Let us, you know, mess with him. So we need some evidence. Yes. What kind of artisans? It's just clockwork stuff? I mean, there's a variety of inventors who work there, artisans of all kinds of different goods. Um, I mean, honestly, I wouldn't even be surprised if some things that, frankly, I've never heard of are being made in that particular building. Mm. He is one who very much appreciates creativity. So it's not just anybody who makes something can get a place in his workshop. It's usually somebody who has their own take on things. So we would want to commission, if we're going that route, something that involves clockwork. I mean, whatever, yeah, whatever can get us in the door and actually talk to this man in a way that we can ask him questions and 
hopefully not uh, have Vespasio just get in our way while we're doing so. I don't know if there's really a need to overthink it. Maybe one of us just mm. needs a new clock. Yeah, I mean, we'll just walk in and uh, just ask to talk to the clockmaker. Again, it's really just more we can't just walk in and say, hey, this man's a murderer. We have to talk to him. We're looking for or a we suspect clock. he's a murderer. <laughs> a take on adventures. Yeah, whatever. I'm curious I mean. if the other detective has figured any of this out either. She hasn't been able to speak to the bodies. Mm. No, but she is a renowned detective. She may have other means. Mm. Oh, we should also Maybe. go to the scene. Yes, we probably should do that first before we go well, to the Well, curfew's coming up, so I don't know if we're going to have time. We're not going to. It is now after curfew. Mm. We're going to well, be sleeping here. Speaking of clocks. There is plenty to do tomorrow. Mm-hmm. <sighs> so if you would like, I do have a additional room upstairs. It's not going to be a exceptionally comfortable, but mm. it would fit all of you. Great. Cesare can stay with me. Cesare <laughs> just smiles. Wow. wow. <laughs> and if you're also going to go and do some investigating, I have something that may be of some assistance to you. Oh, well, definitely right. going to investigate. Well, he makes his way over, lays the cloth back respectfully back on top of the body. Unless, Vittoria, you have anything else that you wanted to investigate. I think we've been able to gather as much information as we can. Very well. Uh, I'm going to contact the uh, necessary people and have her interred tomorrow. It's, unfortunately, it would be difficult to uh, return her back to her family, but I'll let her family know. Mm. He makes his way up the stairs, leads all of you into, uh, well, basically back into the front room, back up the stairs from there to the second floor. Makes all of you comfortable in his guest room. Hmm. Brother, one more thing. Um, yes. I'm saying brother in the religious sense, not necessarily like we're secretly brothers this whole time. <laughs> <laughs> what a twist. Yeah. Yes. But yeah. Uh, brother, there is, um, I've managed to save something from your former establishment. Um, it is at my home, but if you can think of a better place for it, I'm all ears. I'm working on finding a new meeting place, if you will, for our group. Some place that hopefully will not put uh, innocence in danger if Thrun should come calling again. If you can hold on to it until then. I'd no problem. It. Very few people want to climb up the stairs anyway. I'm surprised you managed it the first time you left a message. It, it is tricky. There's a stair. I think it's the third one. Yes, that yes. one. I hate that one. It always, always creaks. I swear, one of these days I'm going to end up with a nail through my foot. And then you have the problem with the pigeons. Uh, yeah, don't even get me started about the pigeons. We found a new place where you could be. Also, we could get you a better place to be if you Yeah, but I mean, that place. was yesterday. I haven't had a chance to <laughs> exactly say, move yet. Yeah. <laughs> long enough for him to we move. We also have to move Niccolo. <laughs> Technically, that was earlier today. Oh, that, yeah. you're right. That was, that was, oh, God, earlier, that was today. earlier today. <laughs> oh, my God. It's been a long day, guys. It's been, it's been a, a long day. day. So, yeah, I haven't even been home since then. <laughs> oh, my. Oh, my. But he set you up with a, uh, a comfortable area here. Again, the bed is large enough, uh, to be perfectly honest, the guest bed in here is large enough for three. Um, Yay, we so, cuddle. Yeah, feasibly, if the Just ladies all want like, to take bye. the bed. Niccolo <laughs> curls up on the uh, the fainting couch, the couch, the Devon, uh, off to the mm. side. Yep. It's frankly bigger than my bed. <laughs> uh. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> After setting you up with this, Hedeman leaves and then returns only a few minutes later with a uh, a simple, surprisingly for him, although exceptionally well-made gray cloak. Cool. 
Ooh. It's very nice. This is a cloak I use whenever I need to go unnoticed. It's a visibility cloak. I would be happy oh to gosh. provide this to all of you. And in fact, considering the actions you've been taking, you may want to just keep it. I can make myself another one. It may take some time, but I am rather talented. Mm. <laughs> Could you make five more? No. <laughs> what, it, what does it do? You can pull down the hood of this cloak and become, <laughs> for lack of a better term, drab. Uninteresting. Uh. <laughs> Cesare just looks at him like... Okay, you wore this. He makes a cloak that literally makes him look like he's not a fancy lad. In essence, it makes you look like a forgettable background person. Mm. I love it. Not to sound, of course, belligerent or anything like that, but most people would just assume that you're a worker, a servant, someone that's supposed to be there. Great. I like oh, it. That's it's very cool. subtle. Uh, that being said, while it does improve your ability to move unnoticed and not draw attention to yourself, it does make it more difficult to interact with people because they tend to find you forgettable or not worth their time. Mm. In addition, and very importantly, you can pull the hoods, the cloak's hood up and gain the ability to be undetectable by magical divinations for a short oh. period. Wow. Cool. Impressive. Yes, I do think so. <laughs> The wards on the inside lining will protect you from any attempts to detection, revelation, scrying, divinations, anything like that on you or anything in your possession for about one hour. Hmm. Wow. That's pretty cool. Yeah. It doesn't work on exceptionally powerful magical effects, but it should protect you fairly. Broad. Yeah. I assume if an artifact is after us, we're probably screwed anyway, but. Oh, yeah. Well, and this uh, falls under uh, counteract check. Uh, yes, yeah, so this falls under counteracting, which is, uh, yeah, you compare the two forces to determine which uh, defeats the other and successfully counteract it, etc., etc. Uh, mechanically speaking, uh, this is a clandestine cloak. Cool. Cool. Uh, you can throw this cloak on, you can pull up its hood as an interact action, it's just one action, at which point you become drab and uninteresting. This grants you a plus one bonus on stealth checks and deception checks to impersonate a forgettable background individual such as a serpent. <laughs> Uh, however, while you have the cloak's hood up, you also take a minus one item penalty on diplomacy and intimidation checks because you Fair. are forgettable. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, we need to borrow this to get Rexus out of the house. Right? <laughs> oh my gosh, yes! And uh, if you use two actions uh, as an Envision Interact uh, once per day, you can pull up the hood and gain the benefits of non-detection for one hour. Nice. That's well, that cool. is a pretty cool item. I think it will come in handy. Uh, yeah. Very shortly. <laughs> Anytime we need to infiltrate someplace for like recon or something, it's just like, hey, put that on. Go ahead and slip it into so, the party treasure for now. Yeah. yeah. For Sounds sure. Good. Well, I suppose I will leave you to it then. Good evening. Good night, good evening. everyone. Cesare follows Hedeman. <laughs> <laughs> Have a good night. Yes. There's some uh, some books in the, uh, the bookcase over there in case you want anything. The latest mm -hmm. issue from the Sin Saga. Oh, hey, oh, then uh, turns. Sign. <laughs> Victoria's like, I can't escape it, and just like rolls over <laughs> everywhere. Lucia will like get up and like close the door after the after Hedeman and uh, Cesare leave. So, did anybody see that coming? Oh, see which um, Cesare finally getting a date, or Hedeman being the Rose of Cantargo? No, the Hedeman Cesare thing. <laughs> Nobody would have seen the Rose of Cantargo pod. <laughs> <laughs> that was the part that you 
Okay. Never mind. They're cute together. You know, together. I'm happy for them. I hope it works out. No one is denying that they're cute together, but that is what you got out of this whole situation, is that <laughs> he got a date. Not that the Rose of Kintago is Hedem and Hayes. Well, that was pretty shocking, too. But, like, nobody could have seen that coming. I want to know if anybody saw any signs that they were, like, getting together. I feel like we had signs. I mean, look at how well-dressed Raven had been for so long. He I just assumed that was... in my room with you guys. Because, I am very yeah, well I point at Raven. <laughs> you know, to be honest, I kind of thought that was just magic. Because, like, who makes clothes that small? No, I just assumed Raven stole everything. I mean, <laughs> it's not stealing. It's procuring on site. Yes. Uh, right, sure. of course. People don't want cats stealing cat clothes. They shouldn't make cat clothes. It's true. My understanding is there's no log in stealing cat clothes. <laughs> if you're a cat. I mean, Why that would be... I suddenly feel the urge to go down to the local library and look that up? <laughs> it is it's against cat law. <laughs> no. There's a law about capuchin monkeys stealing clothing, but not cats. <laughs> One of those oddly that. specific laws, like yep. whistling on Sunday. <laughs> no. I'm glad they don't oh, enforce man. that one anymore. I'd probably be in more jail. That's that's a story. Be in more jail? I mean, I I whistle a lot. Um, oh, I thought you were talking about the capuchin monkeys still. No, 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 no. <laughs> I, I've never owned a monkey. Yep. I once spent a summer in the, you know, the mines of the capuchin monkey <laughs> jail. Capuchin monkeys are real, like, jerks. I'll tell you that. I had a friend who had one. Not nice. Was his name Ross? Anyway. Um... <laughs> his name was Ross. It was really unfortunate. He was a friend. Yeah. Lala. Uh... My mind went to Barbosa because Adrian's mm. a pirate and he had the monkey. Also fair. Yeah. Yeah, 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 it could also be also a good one. Both his name was Ross Sosa. <laughs> oh dear lord. Oh he loved God. dinosaurs, capuchin monkeys, and apples. Mm. <laughs> he was five years old. I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, I suppose uh, you all rest up for the evening. Yeah, I think sleep is good. Yes. And then uh, I believe wake up the next day. I think your plan is to, uh, to make your way to Vespam Artisans. Yeah, I think we were checking the crime scene first, weren't we? Yeah, yeah, crime scene first. But again, probably um, after that. Depending on when you want to set your clock, the uh, Kentargo curfew ends at 6 a.m., so you could be out the door at 6.01. 6 a.m. is good because then, you know, we can do a little skullduggery and then we can go about our normal Friday plans. Like, I need well, to open if we my get shop. there, if we get there early enough, and this might seem somewhat suspicious, we could uh, do like a mild stakeout and see who's coming in there. And, you know, that might be a way for us to uh, mm. like try to mm. narrow it down before we go in there. And... We could have some people watch the place and some people go to the crime scene to investigate and then meet oh, up. Oh, that's and true. Yeah, we could, that. we could do that. We could do that. Yep. Very well. Uh, is anyone donning the cloak? Uh, I mean, whoever's <laughs> watching the uh, the art, uh, Vespam's artisans could probably should get yeah, the cloak. Probably yeah, probably should wear that. At least for now, it does. I mean, yeah. I have no knowledges that will be of any use because I don't. I'm not trained in any of them. So I think you're just perceiving. Yeah. I can be the perceptor and okay. take the cloak. So we'll give you the cloak for now. And interesting. How's your perception? Uh, I am an expert in perception. Very nice. Cool. Good. So you gather yourselves, uh, gather your gear, all the rest of that. The sun rising in the distance, the uh, the light slanting through here. As a side note for Victoria, Adria, Lucia, 
uh, to be perfectly honest, Nicolo, uh, for the three of you, first off, this bed is possibly the most comfortable bed that you've ever so slept in. <laughs> okay, first off, this isn't surprising. It's Hedeman Haste. It's like mm. a Californian king. There's silk sheets. It's got the <laughs> the curtains that surround it. Four-poster banister so, or four-poster yeah, so, bed. You know, you get a... a a little bit of privacy. Uh, well, I mean, with all three of you, although even with all three of you piled in there, there's Plus actually Raven. like, you know, room for you to, uh, and Raven sleeping. No, Raven's like sleeping on uh, Nicholas' chest the whole oh, night. Oh, fair. <laughs> yeah. Let's be honest. That's Nicholas' exactly broad, broad, muscular chest. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my it's God. one of those beds, though, where you have like the three steps to get up into it. That's got a little oh, step man. thing for you to <laughs> get home to the bed. That's fancy. Uh, and Despite the fact that Nicolo, this, the divan is shorter than uh, your bed, is quite possibly the most comfortable thing that you've ever slept on. <laughs> yeah. they, they have things that aren't stuffed with hay? Spared. Yeah. So Since when? <laughs> For a long time. Yeah, you wake up in the morning oh. and uh, start up the fireplace. I, the, the portrait, the massive full body portrait of Hedeman Hayes over the fireplace. That's uh, looking weird. over all of you as you make your way in. Yeah. <laughs> I like imagine his bedroom is extra too. Mm. Oh yeah, his, his bedroom is. is He's got his own California was. king. Just they kind of go together because they're both a little extra. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. He's got the finest, the finest Voodrin rugs, the finest tian silk. It's phenomenal. Chester is just like, I'm moving in. I feel like he's very much a, a materials and texture person. Like, he really actually cares about that thread count. Mm. Yeah. To uh, to drive the point home, you know, Hedeman wakes up a little bit early, uh, goes and does his prayers and all the rest of that stuff. But, you know, you make your way downstairs. He's already made breakfast. It's one of those fancy things where he's got, like, he set up a uh, an omelet bar. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, so he's doing, like, eggs benedict for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Poaching some eggs. But uh, I suppose after uh, doing your your morning prayers, your morning routines, Adria like makes her way down because he's got a little. Uh, you suppose now maybe that is a little suspicious. He has a little rose garden out behind oh. his uh, his oh. house here. You can go out there and uh, and commune. He's got a small uh, beehive that he keeps back there. Oh, perfect! Oh. Yeah, you can commune with the bees. There's not oh. that anything that suspicious with roses in the city, is there? Not particularly, although now it's just one of those like in nice context. You're like now in context. Now in yeah. context. Yeah. Yeah. Wait a second, he's a tailor and a gardener and an expert And a chef. beekeeper? <laughs> How amazing. <laughs> I want to keep bees. I hang out with the bees. <laughs> so um, all Not of you gather gig, together after, uh, after your morning preparations, feeling exceptionally well-rested mm. and uh, set off to go and uh, head to a crime scene and then the artisans and you hope track down and find uh, this horrible serial killer that is murdering people potentially uh, in the name of... Uh, the Norgabur. dark god Norgaber. Yeah, That's and we'll pick theory. it up here next time. Maybe oh. I'll open my shop. Dude, <laughs> skin saw man murderer in this lawful city. Man, the guards are gonna love us. Hey, um, <laughs> how much does it cost to hire someone to run your shop for you? <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like I'm never there. Find the Path Ventures is an officially licensed partner of Paizo Incorporated. Hell's Rebels is copyright 2015. Hell's Rebels and the Pathfinder Adventure Path are trademarks of Paizo. All Pathfinder images are property of Paizo and are used with permission. Find the Path Ventures have converted Hell's Rebels from Pathfinder to Pathfinder 2nd Edition. Conversion notes are available to our Patreon backers at patreon.com backslash findthepath. <laughs> <laughs>